us this morning with standing and reading scripture. If you join me in that, we're reading from 1 Chronicles 29. It should be up on the screens here momentarily. There we go. It's even in my size font, so thank you guys for that. All right, join with me in uh, reading scripture. Then David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. David said, May you be blessed, Lord God of our Father Israel, from eternity to eternity. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty, for everything in the heavens and on earth belong to you. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. Riches and honor come from you, and you are the ruler of everything. Power and might are in your hand, and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Amen. And let's do that together. Lord, let 
serve a God who is mighty, who is intimate, who is, who is sovereign, who pays attention to everything, who is strong and gentle and kind at the same time. Isn't that good? Amen. So we worship a God who is a lion and he's a lamb. Let's sing this together.
Adam B. Thank you for singing. You may be seated. here with us in person today and online. Uh, if you're watching online and you happen to be in the Northern Kentucky area, please come join us in person. We'd love to have you here to be a part of the worship experience with uh, our body of believers. Uh, we're here today. If you're a first-time guest, please make sure that you fill out a Connect card. You can get one of those either digitally on the QR codes that's placed near you in the pews. You can scan that. It's on the back of the pew in front of you. Or if you're um, a hard copy person, you can get one of those right outside the center double doors and to the left right after worship. Stop by there. Fill out a card. Uh, we want to know that you were here with us today. We want to connect with you, so we want you to fill out a connect card. We want to um, meet you, so if this is your first time here, We'd love to have you stick around for a little bit after the service, talk to a few people, introduce yourself, uh, get to know more about our church family, and see if this might be a good fit for you and your family. We know that uh, God has uniquely created um, each one of us as a follower of Christ, and it's our mission here at Hebron Baptist Church uh, is to glorify God by helping you take your next step in your relationship with Christ. So it's always important to ask, what is your next step? Uh, maybe it's trusting in Christ if you're not already a follower of Christ. Maybe it's baptism. Um, maybe it's becoming a member if you have been attending for a while but you haven't taken that step and joined. We'd, we'd like to encourage you to step out and uh, go through the membership process and become a member of Hebron Baptist Church. Maybe become a member of a life group, get active in a life group or a discipleship group. Um, all those are great opportunities, and if you want to know more about those, you can um, go out to the Next Steps desk after worship and get more information about that as well. Or it may be going on a mission trip, uh, so be listening for those opportunities, for mission trip opportunities. And then also, your next step may be serving here at Hebron Baptist Church in some capacity. Um, know that, that the children's ministry is always in need, and we'd love to have people step up and be blessed by having that time with uh, our beautiful children. We should also um, ask ourselves when we're thinking about our next step is, how am I going to honor God by serving others here in our church or in this community? There may be something new, some new experience that um, God has put on your heart that you want to consider. So, so be in, in prayer about that and how God can use you uh, to glorify him right here uh, within our, our church body. Uh, ask yourself, how will I be a witness for Christ? Uh, no matter where I am, whether it's here at this church or whether it's at work or at school, in the community. Um, one last thing, we've got our empty chair here. Just a reminder, quick reminder that that's for your who's your one. So remember, pray about who you're going to bring with you to worship next week uh, or maybe life group next week as, as you meet uh, or youth group if, um, if you're meeting with youth. Pray about that. Bring a, bring a friend, maybe that, a new friend from school to a youth group. Yeah, now, if you, everybody would uh, join me 
in prayer. Most gracious God, Lord, um, we humbly come before you. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We recognize that you are the one true God. You are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. You are ever-present, Lord, and everything in the heavens and on earth belong to you. Even though all of us have sinned and fallen short of your glory, Lord, you gave your Son, your only Son, to take our place as the perfect and atoning sacrifice for our sins so that we can be in relationship with you, Lord. Father, forgive us of our many sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lord, cleanse us from all unrighteousness and remember our sins no more. Lord, give us the courage to trust in each other, to confess our sins to one another, to pray for one another, to hold each other accountable, to do so in love and compassion and support as we care for one another. As we repent of our sins and put to death what belongs to our sin nature, Lord. Lord, heal our hearts and our minds to seek the things above, to be renewed in knowledge according to you, Lord, living faithfully to you in the spirit according to your standards, worthy of the gospel of Christ. Lord, we thank you for our core value of engaging worship. You created each one of us to worship and to glorify you. May we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you, Father. This is true worship. Even the fullness of creation declares your glory, and the skies proclaim your handiwork. Your glory is in all things and calls for praise and adoration. As we engage in worship daily, may our worship be centered on you and not on someone or something else. Protect us from being conformed to the ways of this world, Lord. Renew our hearts and our minds and guide us to discern your perfect will. Engaging worship is a way of life, and we thank you, Lord, for the blessings we receive from the depths and the richness of engaging worship. As we bring our praises, our songs, and our hearts that long to honor and glorify your holy name, may our worship be pleasing to you, and may it draw us closer to you, Lord. Father, we lift those up who are in need today, the lost the lonely, the sick, the struggling, and the weary. Lord, we continue to pray for Mark and Renee Loy as Mark continues to recover and heal and regain strength. We just pray that you continue to be with them and continue to work in and through them with the people that they encounter through that process. Lord, pray for Frank and Patsy Dobbins as Frank has begun his treatments. We just pray that you would sustain him through those treatments, give him strength, 
give him rest. Heal him according to your will, Lord. Pray that you be with Patsy as she cares for him, uh, takes him to his treatments and cares for his needs at home. Lord, we pray for Chris and Rhonda Richard, our own missionaries from this church serving in Buenos Aires. We pray that uh, you would give them wisdom and direction as they work uh, to develop their core group for their church plant. I just pray that you would bring the people to them that you would have for them to be part of that group. Lord, I pray for their outreach with the University English Conversation Clubs. I pray that your will be done with that and you would use those conversation clubs to bring people to yourself, Lord. Lord, we also pray for their family, for Hannah and Kenley's schooling and what a challenge it is with our children and we just pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment as they work through that process to determine what's the best for Hannah and Kenley as, as they're looking at uh, what to do as far as the education goes. Lord, in each and every instance, uh, we pray that your will be done. And we thank you, Lord, for your love, for your mercy, and for your grace. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. is Hebrews chapter 8. Beginning with verse 1. Now the main point of what is being said is this. We have this kind of high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Minister of the sanctuary in the true tabernacle that was set up by the Lord and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it was necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest, since there are those offering the gifts prescribed by the law. These serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was warned when he was about to complete the tabernacle. For God said, be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry, and to that degree he is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion for a second one. But finding fault with his people, he says, See, the days are coming, says the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. I showed no concern for them, says the Lord, because they did not continue in my covenant. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And each person will not teach his fellow citizen and each brother or sister saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and I will never again remember their sins. By saying a new covenant, as he has declared 
that the first is obsolete, and what is obsolete and growing old is about to pass away. This is the reading of God's word. For I will forgive their wrongdoing, and I will never again remember their sins. What good news, amen? Would you stand to your feet and let's celebrate that good news together? Praise the Lord, His mercy is born, stronger than darkness to every morn, our sins they are
up Jesus Christ. We've gathered to see him in front of our very eyes. And that's what we're going to do when we hear from his word. We will see him. Let's make this our prayer and our encouragement to one another to turn our eyes upon Jesus.
turn in your copy of God's Word to Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. It's page 1090 in the Pew Bible that you're that is in front of you. Uh, if you want to follow along in the translation that I will be reading from. We're continuing our series on the seven letters uh, to the churches in the beginning of Revelation. And we've looked, we've been challenged, we've been encouraged, we've heard what Jesus has said to the churches, and we've said, hey, there are places that we need to be encouraged and be thankful for where God has worked, and we have also been challenged to examine where we are and where we should guard our hearts, our lives, and our churches. And today we are again warned to be not to not be a tolerant church when Jesus sends a letter to the church at Theatira. So let's read together, beginning in verse 18, and we'll go to verse 29. Write to the angel of the church in Theatira. Thus says the Son of God, the one whose eyes are like a fiery flame and whose feet are like fine bronze. I know your works, your love, faithfulness, service, and endurance. I know that your last works are greater than the first. But I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and teaches and deceives my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat, sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality. Look, I will throw her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great affliction. Unless they repent of her works, I will strike her children dead. Then all the children will know, churches will know that I am the one who examines minds and hearts and I will give to each of you according to your works. I say to the rest of you in Theatira who do not hold this teaching, who haven't known the so-called secrets of Satan, as they say, I am not putting any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works to the end, I will give him authority over the nations. And he will rule them with an iron scepter, and he will shatter them like pottery. Just as I have received this from my father, I will give him the morning star. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to the, what the Spirit says to the churches. Heavenly Father, we do lift our eyes to you. These letters were sent to you through John to the churches, and Lord, preserve for us as your very word. And therefore, if it is a word from you, it's a word that we must consider and ponder in our own hearts. So Lord, I pray this morning that as we listen, as we, as we consider these things from you, we pray, God, that we would ask you by the Spirit to direct our hearts in a way that we might come away from this word more obedient, more faithful, and more looking like your son, Jesus. And it's in his wonderful name that we pray. Amen. There are times as Christians and in our church that we need to remove sin. And sometimes, unrepentant that are in our midst 
for our good and the good of others. There is a hunter who had his rifle aimed, ready to fire at a great big bear. He cocked the gun, ready to go, when the bear, in a very calm voice, said, Friend, must we result to shooting? Can't we talk things out? Can't we come to a compromise? Let's negotiate the matter. Lowering the rifle just a little bit, the hunter said, Well, what is there to negotiate? The bear said, well, is there something that we can do together? What do you want? And maybe we can find some terms together. Well, the, the hunter lowered his gun just a little bit more and said, well, I want a fur coat. To which the bear replied, that's good to hear. I am hungry and I want a full stomach. Maybe we can sit down and figure something out that pleases both of us. The hunter lowers his gun and begins negotiations with the bear. In just a few minutes, everybody got what they wanted. The bear walked away alone. You see, he got his full belly, and the hunter inside his belly got the fur coat on the outside. Friends, Satan tells us, let's negotiate. But there are things that we cannot negotiate. We cannot compromise as the church with the world. Christ and his church deserve our utmost loyalty. And there is a great need today, as Jesus is proclaiming through this church and through this letter, for men and women who are so gripped by the truth of God that they understand that God's word is the only arbiter for what is right and what is wrong. And we need people to understand that it is our loyalty and our obedience to the scripture that we must stake our lives on. The church, we understand, needs to understand that there is no place to negotiate with the world when it comes from the truth of God. The church must be a place where we grow in good works, that we need to be a place where repentance happens, and that we call others to repentance so that they can receive the same victory in Christ that we have received. Situated 40 miles southeast of Pergamos, we will find the church at Theatira. Numbered no more than 25,000 in population. Though not politically or culturally important, as you see its, its place there, it was a significant city commercially. It was a place for great trade and industry. Inscriptions found and archaeologists found that the Theatira boasted numerous trade guilds that we understand that it is there that trade happened on the route up to Pergamos. On the surface, these, these organizations and this trade seemed benign, nothing to worry about. But in this moment, we see that these trade guilds would have gathered together 
worshiping the God of their trade, the God of iron or industry or, or whatever that their, their association was. And yearly they would go to festivals. Maybe it would be like a business uh, association or a business uh, convention, but instead that yearly convention would dive into not learning about the newest of the industry, but instead worship of this God. Worship in pagan festivals and falling into debauchery and sexual immorality. It is necess necessary to be a part of these guilds for, for trade and work to happen. But as Christians, they were forced to make this choice. Am I going to be faithful to God or am I going to follow the winds of culture? In this little church, we don't know much about it. We don't know who planted Theatira. The only place that is mentioned, we know that Lydia, who was converted under the ministry of Paul, who was uh, great as we remember in the cloth of purples, that she was from Theatira. And the church here needed, as the letter describes, that it needed to exclude the unrepentant Jezebel. This passage indicates that this Jezebel had been called to repentance but refused to repent and the church was left tolerating her in an unrepentant state. Jesus promises, not says I might get around to it, but he says that if you continue, I will judge her, her followers, and everyone associated with her. Brother and sister, we are in an age where we tolerate sin. We excuse it, we let it set up shop, and we sometimes tolerate it even among our brothers and sisters in Christ. We explain it away, saying, well, we can't really say anything because they're such a good person in so many other different ways. We say, well, let's just leave them alone and let them work it out. We say things like, well, who should I to say anything? I know I've done wrong in my life. We say things like, let's don't say anything because we might hurt their feelings. Friends, as Christians, we have been given the church, the keys of the kingdom. We have been given the authority of the gospel. And Jesus says that it is up to us to protect its purity and for us to protect his name. Jesus even tells us that he sees and knows what's happening. That we cannot, if we try to fool ourselves, we cannot fool Jesus. He sees opening in these verses in chapter, uh, sorry, in verse 18, that his eyes are like a fiery flame and whose feet are like fine bronze. He is saying that this imagery that comes a lot through the book of Revelation, that his eyes are like a fiery flame again, showing that his searching gaze, there is nothing that escapes, that he is surely the judge that knows everything, that his bronze feet point to his purity. It, his eyes are one like a fiery flame that will not overlook anything, and there's no blemish in him. So what Jesus sees in the church at Theatira is that it is growing in good works, 
yet it is tolerating an unrepentant sinner. You know, when we look at this church, we can be encouraged in some ways. We can be encouraged that we should be growing in holiness, that we too should be growing in our works that become better as we mature in our faith. We can be encouraged to be a church that welcomes and is in a welcoming atmosphere for sinners to come and find the mercy of Jesus. But we are warned pretty strongly by Jesus himself that we cannot tolerate sin even from people that we love, especially, most importantly, if they're unrepentant of it. Now, as we look at our text today, we have been sovereignly brought here. When we said we're, we're going to go through chapters 2 and 3, we've got to take all of it. You know, we can't be like when we're eating something and we spit out the grizzle or the things that make us uncomfortable. We can't just cut out the things that we don't like. And when we come to this text, you have been brought here sovereignly or maybe tuned in for some specific reason online and for some reason that we have been called to, to go through this text together and understand what it means for us. It may make us squirm in our seats, but it must be a message to our hearts. Is there something that we need to consider in our own lives today? Is there something that we need to repent of? Is there something we know we need to help others in our lives repent of or change? Is there a sin that you know you're tolerating in an unrepentant friend? Brother or sister, if we don't deal with these things, you will be kept from usefulness from the Lord. Our church might be kept from usefulness and greater impact unless we deal with sin in our very own lives in church. So may we, as we look at this text, uncomfortably even, ask the Lord himself to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. As we think through what this text says, there's three things that I believe that we should pull from this text for us today number one if you're taking notes on your phone or on the bulletin our rebirth in christ should see us growing in good works our rebirth in christ should see us growing in good works at verse 19 jesus sees that the church of theater is doing great things i know your words your love your faithfulness your service and endurance and i know that your last works are greater than its than the first even in the midst of persecution the church is maintaining love faith and service for christians they are growing in it they're continuing to get better in it this is the call of every christian right that we are to grow in holiness that we are to grow in sanctification the the official word that we are to progressively day by day year by year week by week month by month grow closer to looking more like Jesus and less like our old way. 
This is a, what we would know and understand. This is a call of every Christian. We are born by the Holy Spirit, Jesus says in John 3, that the Spirit comes with us and we are born again, that we are made new in Christ Jesus. And as we are made new, then we become new people who grow like Jesus. In Colossians 3, we get to see the pattern of this growth, that it must result in us. Colossians chapter 3 says, So I have been raised with Christ. Seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them, but now put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. Brothers and sisters, this passage reminds us the pattern of a Christian life. That, that even when Jesus saw these believers in Theatira who were under immense persecution, they were not given a hall pass. They were not considered, oh, we'll, we'll just, just work it out later. No, he actually commended them because they were following this pattern. They were growing in good works. They were getting better as they matured. They, he saw them as someone and some Christians and a church that was growing in good works. And this is the call to every Christian, that if we have been crucified with Christ, we have been made new as a, as a believer, that we know that in us we should put off the things of our old way and put the new things of Christ on. There was a group of tourists who were walking through the hillside and came upon a, a picturesque village. And one of the people in the crowd asked this man who was leaning against the fence at the entrance of the, the village, they, you know how tourists are, they want to know everything about every place. And they said, is there any famous men born here? To which the man said pretty sarcastically, nope, only babies. Like every person in this room, we were born as a baby. And the expectation of all of us is that we grow. We don't stay babies. Some of us have grown this way, maybe, more than others. But we're as expectation of growth. And every person, every born-again believer is expected to grow like Jesus. That we don't stay babies. And how awful is it that we have a baby Christians who have been saved for 40 years? It's a tragedy that we, some of us, have been Christians and never matured in our faith, to which we would invite you today. Take your next step, just as the church at Theatira did. 
grow and mature. Become a positive influence in others' lives because you are following Jesus more abundantly and obediently. Let me ask you, brother or sister, have you continued to grow in your faith and maturity? Are there still sins that you hang on to? Are there still areas that you haven't taken seriously in your walk? Are you, are you reading your Bible as you should? Are you praying as you should? Are you sharing the gospel as you should? Are you giving as you should? All of these things that by God's grace he has given to us that we might grow to be more like Jesus. Friends, the one thing that I would encourage you today is to not be afraid to admit that you haven't grown. Don't let your embarrassment of, of saying that I haven't grown keep you from moving forward. Reach out to a brother or sister in Christ. Say, hey, I have been convicted by the Holy Spirit that I need to grow to be more like Jesus. Will you help me? I would imagine that your friend would not say, well, it's about time. They're not going to say that. They're not going to look at you judgingly. What they're going to do is celebrate and say, let me walk with you. Brother, sister, we need to be serious and admit that if we need to grow as Christians, to be faithful, just like this church is, to be faithful, to not be a baby anymore. And can I encourage you? I just feel convicted of this because Jesus encouraged them. And I want to encourage you today. There are many of you here that are giving up your mornings, that are losing sleep, that are in the word, that are meeting with others to walk with them through the Bible, who are sharing your faith, that your works that you would say... I know that if I looked back four months that today I'm more like Jesus than I was four months ago, Jesus says to you, well done. I love you. Keep going. I want you to hear that that is not worthless, but worthwhile. Sometimes we need to hear that because some of us grow slower than others. Some of us have a lot more sin that we need to put off. Some of us, the Lord is showing us in later times what we need to change. But friends, when you are doing the business with the Lord, when you are being faithful, He is molding you and shaping you. So keep going. Keep going. The Lord is pleased with you. Growing in Christ and one of the things that comes from someone growing in Christ is that it leads us to repentance. Therefore, number two, the church should be a place to be safe for repentance. The church should be a place to be safe for repentance. Now, let's, let's just open up with sort of the, the, the hard pill to swallow here. Verse 20, but I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality. The church of Theatira had much to commend, unlike 
the church at Ephesus who had not remembered their passion and at first but was was strong and sound doctrine this is the opposite they have grown in their passion and love for following Jesus but this church had put away their sound doctrine moorings in this they were allowing or compromising their church by allowing a Jezebel or this woman to make a sinful impact in the church now Jezebel is probably a, a name given over her not a real name but to link uh, by Christ to the Old Testament Jezebel Jezebel was a foreign queen who introduced Baal worship to Israel and persecuted God's prophets in 1 Kings chapter 16, 18, and 19. Israel at that time didn't just worship Baal instead of the Lord. What did God find against them? That the, the Israel was worshiping both God and Baal. Both of them. Their, their hearts were divided. And this is what was happening in the church that the church had come to a place that they were saying I can worship Jesus and I can go to these festivals and worship these idols and fall into sexual immorality and everything's and everybody's okay with it and that was the message of the Jezebel but verse 21 before we get to this more which I'll get into the third point I want to give us time to to look at verse 21 in the opening words Jesus said I gave her time to repent I want us to see that Jesus gave this woman time to repent this is in line with the mercy and character of God that he has loving kindness he is slow to anger and rich in mercy he is delaying judgment so that some might more might come to be saved in faith in his son Jesus Christ. He is a God who is gentle and lowly and wants us to come to him to receive mercy. He doesn't want us to be kept away. He wants us to come to receive his grace and mercy. And to receive that mercy and love, we must repent and turn from our sin. We know that as Christians, to become a child of God, that we are to repent and believe, that we are to turn from a life of sin and turn to honor God who is Lord and Savior and to believe upon him and receive by grace who he is. He is the triune God who died for our sins, who rose again three days later, who sits at the right hand of the Father, and all who believe on him will be saved. But repentance is always part of the equation but repentance we understand is not a one-time action we as Christians are continual repenters we must repent continually every time we open our Bibles to read and the scriptures say that this is sinful and we realize oh I'm doing this thing I should repent and agree with God and his word not agree with my feelings all the while we are always doing this as Christians 
that we are repenting when we know. And often, many people who are outside the church call us hypocrites because they say, well, there's just such, such sinners there in the church, which we say, you're right. We are. We're wrong. We're, we are hypocrites. We are sinners. But here's what makes us different, that we know where to go when we're in sin. We know what we're supposed to do. We know that we're supposed to call a sin a sin and repent, ask Christ to forgive us, and ask him to help us to walk away from it. Those who are outside would say that repentance is just, oh, well, sin, we excuse it, we just keep it going, and God's going to work it out in the end. No, the Bible tells us that when we know we're in sin, that we are to repent and run away from it. So we must understand that as Christians, that we should be serial repenters. True repentance, notes J.I. Packer, it only begins when one passes out of what the Bible sees as self-deception. Repentance involves knowing in one's heart that this is wrong, I have sinned, God is grieved. The antithesis of this is rationalization, a selfish attempt to justify what we are doing. The number of appeals that I'm a victim, if you'd look to see how that I've, I've been treated, look at how others are, I'm not as bad as them, give me a little slack. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 8, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. As Christians, we know that we need to repent, that sin comes in our hearts and minds and is there, that we must deal with it. We understand that there is something good in Christ and, and that we go to it, that we must be repenters. But in this manner, we must be a church and we must be a place and we must be a people where it's safe for sinners to come repent. If God's given us space and a place for us to repent and a place for us to change, then we need to be a place and space for others to change. First, we should regularly be in relationship with Christians in our church that are, um, that are helping us with our sin, that we are confessing this sin regularly and talking to one another about it so that we can walk away from it. James 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. This should be the regular pattern that we should be a place so those on the outside can come and be a safe to admit their sins. We must be, for the sake of the gospel, a place where people can come and say, I know that I'm wrong and I need Jesus. Jesus gives us the pattern of, of this when he gives us the parables of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the prodigal son. That what we go, he goes searching for them, but what is one thing that unites all of those parables together? There is the reaction of joy of the God person in that parable for the one who has repented. Brothers and sisters, we must match the joy of Jesus 
when someone repents. And we must be a place that we welcome repenters to come to Jesus. This should reflect us in the church, a place where sinners can come and find people who will love them where they are, but will love them enough to help them out of their sin. The gospel in our hearts is the gospel that should be present among us that we are reminded that we were once despicable sinners more than we ever dreamed of, but we are more loved than Jesus than we ever dared hope at the same time, that we are that hope for others, that we welcome them so that they might walk out of sin. Joe Rigney observes, the gospel presence aims to create that graciously paradoxical environment that is safe for sinners, but not for sin. Imagine you go on a snow sledding one afternoon in the winter, and you go, and, and you are everything's going great, the hills are fast, everything's going well, and you are traveling down the, the hills, and one trip, just boom, you hit a patch of ice, you roll over, you break your arm, and you go to the emergency room or the hospital or wherever you go, ortho Cincy or wherever, that's, that's no commercial for them, just wherever you went, and, and there you, the doctor or whoever comes in and says, well, you know what? You were stupid for sledding. You should have never done that, and uh, I'm not going to help you out here. You know, you're just dumb, so you're not getting any help. You know, I think often, sometimes we as Christians look at people who are just as sinners as we were, and we look down upon them and say things like, you know, you should have known better. Or because you're like this, a sinner, you shouldn't have done that. We talk in ways like them and they and those people, those bad sinners. Christians, we need to be careful of how we speak about people far from God. We know that we were sinners once too. And you know what? I know some of my friends right now that they are going full bore into the lies of the culture and the lies of life that they are selling right now. Lies of life of sin, life of confusion, and they're going to get to the end of the road and they're going to find out that it was all a lie. And they're going to turn back to try to find someone to help them. And I pray that I've had a relationship with them that they come to me so that I can point them the way to Jesus. Friends, we need to make sure that there, we are a place where people can go to find answers, where they can find healing, that they can find welcome but they find a place that points them to where true life comes from. So just as Jesus gave time for even Jezebel to repent, do we need to give someone, maybe in your life, a place to repent? More kindness and love. A place that they would come to know Jesus. 
But it leads us to number three, the reality as Christians, we must deal with the unrepentant for Christ's reputation and the good of others. The rest of the text is very clear that Jesus said that we must deal with this unrepentant people in our lives. The reality is, as he said, I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality. Look, I will throw her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her in great affliction, unless they repent of her, their works, I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who examines minds and hearts, and I will give to each of you according to your works. Brothers and sisters, this is the strictest reminder that we must deal with the unrepentant among us. Someone said the supreme duty of the church is to see that she offends not her God and her Savior. Jesus is now faulting the church of Theatiria for continuing to tolerate Jezebel. This is the difference. There's a place for people who want to deal with sin and want to walk away from it. But those who, say, who, call, uh, who won't call a sin a sin or won't admit that they're in sin, this is what unrepentance looks like. What did he have two things against her? That she calls herself a prophetess and she's teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality. Not only was she unrepentant of her own ways, she was claiming to be someone who spoke for God and spoke against the word of God to do things against his word. That she was maybe saying or justifying the participation in this imperial cult where these, these guilds were working and happening. Oh, it's okay for you to do that. It's okay for you to have these pagan celebrations. It's okay for you to claim to be a Christian but partake in the worldly activities that we know are against Scripture. The refusal to repent of sin identifies someone as unregenerate. By refusing to repent, Jezebel declared that she did not belong to the people of God. And once she made this plain, the church of Theatira had a responsibility to tell her the truth, that she was not with God. They had the responsibility to exclude her from the church, and instead they were tolerating her as a result of the church's failure to act. She was leading the servants of Jesus into sin. Friends, if there is someone who's committing a serious, heinous, public, unrepentant sin, it is our duty as Christians and as a church to remove them from ourselves. 1 Corinthians 5, 12 through 13, For what business is mine to judge outsiders? Don't, judge those, don't you judge those who are insiders? God judges outsiders. Remove the evil person from among you, Paul instructed the church at Corinth. We understand that we must deal with the unrepentant in our midst. And we do it for three reasons. Number one, to protect the name of Jesus. Because we represent Christ to our community. If someone is outside misrepresenting Christ to the community and says they go to this church or another church, they're saying that that church teaches those things to be okay and that ultimately that Jesus is that way. Friends, that is blasphemous and an assault against the name above every name, Jesus Christ our Lord, and we must protect his holy name. Secondly, it confuses the gospel. She was teaching people that it's okay to do these things, which is against the real gospel. 
that the gospel says that we must repent and believe she was saying you must believe but you don't need to repent she was leading others down a path of a false conversion status that they were living a life thinking they were saved but they aren't and she was at fault and thirdly we must be deal with those who are unrepentant for the sake of others for the good of others because people because we know we love people and in this case Jezebel was probably attractive she was probably wealthy she was representative of the church she'd probably gone there most of her life she had some influence there and because of this people even if they didn't follow her they had to listen but what did Jesus said those who follow with her I will judge too and for the good of others brothers and sisters we have to deal with unrepentant in our midst for their sake as well because healing comes when we bring sin to the front that Jesus and his mercy can heal it and that we can continue on but if we forgive it or, or we put it aside it continues on and they continue to be harmed by their sin brothers and sisters the Lord's desire and our desire should be to lovingly deal with sin and hope that gospel fruit will produce when we have to deal with an unrepentant sinner. That they will seek Christ for forgiveness. That they will seek help from us. That they will walk away from sin. That they understand that this is for their good because ultimately, if they continue, it will cost them eternity. Can I just share with you, we read what Paul said to the Christian church at Corinth and said what they that you should remove the sinner among you in 2nd Corinthians we see just a snapshot of what Paul said thanking God for the fruit from their obedience to removing sin in 2nd Corinthians 7 he says for even I grieved with you in my letter I don't regret it and I didn't regret it since I saw the letter grieved you yet only for a while I now rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. That you were grieved as God willed, so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, but worldly grief produces death. For consider how much diligence this very thing, the grieving as God wills, has produced in you. What a desire to clear yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what deep longing, what zeal, what justice in every way. You showed yourselves to be pure in this matter. So even though I wrote to you, it was not because of the one who did wrong or because of the one who was wronged, but in order that devotion to us might be made plain to you in the sight of God. Paul was saying, look, I wrote to you this very uncomfortable thing but praise God you heard it you repented repented and dealt with the matter because it is producing great fruit and faithfulness to God so brothers and sisters as we consider these things what should we do we should examine ourselves first let me just ask you these penetrating questions do you get angry when people call you to repentance or do you feel yourself scheming in a way so that you don't get caught in a matter? 
Are you acting like one who has been born again by the power of God's Spirit? Brothers and sisters, we must consider ourselves first. That is there something in our lives we need to repent of? Secondly, we must actively be growing. I cannot reiterate this enough. I've said it already once or twice today. Be in a D group. Be in a life group. Be with relationship with other Christians that they can look into your life, that you actually give them the ability to do that, that you are open with them about your sin, that you are free to tell them that, that you help that let them guard your heart to call me to repentance. Brothers and sisters, don't wait till the house is on fire to deal with it. When you smell smoke, put it out. And the only way that you can do that is with somebody has been given the opportunity to inspect your life. Make sure that you are actively growing, doing the things that God has given us to grow in Him. And friends, if it comes to someone who is unrepentant and harming themselves in the church, we must be obedient ourselves with heavy hearts to remove them from membership and not tolerate sin. Even if we've known them for a long time, even if they're, they're well-known and liked, even if they're connected, even if this, we cannot show favoritism when it comes to sin. The only favoritism we show is to the Bible. So here's the good news that I'll wrap up with. What does Jesus say if we do this? In the end, in verse 26, the one who conquers, who keeps my works to the end, I will give them authority to the nations. In verse 28, I will give them the morning star. Jesus says that if you're faithful to me, you will have authority over all the nations. You will rule and reign with me for eternity. Prepare now for your ruling in the future. When you rule with Jesus in the future, you need to be faithful in the present. And Jesus says he gives the morning star. That morning star is a picture of the scripture over and over again. That it is himself, the bright morning star, Jesus gives us himself. Friends, the process of church discipline, the process of putting out an unrepentant sinner is hard. But God promises to give us himself. We must find ourselves faithful. May it be so. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful so much. Even when you have to give us straight and hard, difficult things to deal with, you give us your grace. Even when we are unrepentant, even when we don't take care of sin, we know that we have a Savior who has died for us that we might, by faith, come and be forgiven. The fountains of mercy are great. As we sang earlier, your mercy is more. May we rest in this, but may we know that if we are not repentant of our sin, it is a serious, serious nature for ourselves and others lord i pray that if there's someone here that does not know you have not put their faith and trust and life in you that they would trust in you and you alone we ask this in jesus name amen amen would you stand to your feet and as we respond in faith let's commit our lives to put christ at the center
sing this together. Jesus at the center. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you. Nothing else matters, nothing in this world will do, Jesus you're the center, everything revolves around you, Jesus you, Jesus at the center of my life. It's all about you from my heart to the heavens. Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you from my heart to the heavens. Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about Bow and every tongue 
shall confess you, Jesus. There's a video. Hold on. Okay. There's a video. Let's watch this video together. Hey, church. You've likely heard us pray for and talk about our two mission partners in the UK. Hey church, you've likely heard us pray for and talk about our two mission partners in the UK. Carl Porter is planting Grace Church Rotten, and Alex Brito has planted Mosaic Multicultural Church in London. We've prayed for them, we've supported them through direct giving and our cooperative program participation, and now we're going to have the opportunity as a church to be with them and work alongside them as we send a mission trip team next June. The trip will take place around the week of June 8th to 15th, plus or minus a day or so, depending on travel. And the cost is $2,300, which includes airfare, lodging, food, and transportation. The plan is to split our time between those two locations, and the work is going to be largely evangelism, using much of the same methods we already use for the gospel to every home. I've already heard from some of you that you're interested in going, and this team works best when it stays relatively small. So here's the deal. If we have enough interest, I have zero problem putting together a second trip to London next year. Also, if you'd be interested in going on a trip to London a different time of year, let me know. The deposit for this trip is $250 and due October the 15th. If you're interested or have any questions, please come see me after church or shoot me a message. In London, less than 5% of the population attend church. We will likely encounter people who have never heard the gospel. Will you pray about committing to be a part of this team? And just how wonderful the world is and how Hebron Baptist Church is connected around the globe. I got a picture from my phone this morning that Chris Richard is over with Carl Porter in London. That's how the Lord works together, that we've got brothers and sisters all around the globe helping each other share the gospel everywhere. Our Buenos Aires team in London. That's how it all, we like to work together uh, all over the globe. A uh, couple of things we hope that you will take part in that trip uh, and hopefully get your deposit in. If you're a guest today, thank you for being here. We hope that you filled out a connect card. If this is your first time, make sure you go to the Next Steps desk as you get your gift that is waiting for you there. Please make sure you go and connect before you leave today. Today, Gospel at Every Home is this, this afternoon, 4 to 6, and today is an all-in Sunday. So if you can come and do child care, prayer, or visit teams, be here today at 4 o'clock and help us reach this community. We'll be going to every door. We're already working across the interstate, and we'll be starting in some new neighborhoods, so hopefully you can come today. And like I've said, if you've never done it before, don't worry. You're not going to be put out by yourself. You'll be with somebody who can help you grow to do this. Another thing we want to make sure that you mark your calendar for, on October 4th here at Hebron Baptist Church, we are hosting the 55-plus Joy Choir from Lone Oak Baptist Church in Paducah, uh, Kentucky. It's at 1 o'clock, there will be desserts and coffee, and then 2 o'clock will be a Gaither concert that they will do music. Uh, they're here in town, and they're blessed to do the association, uh, an afternoon uh, 
program or concert. So if you know someone who's interested, invite your neighbors in your kin and ask them to come along uh, to be a part of that concert Wednesday afternoon, October 4th. Uh, also, if you did not turn in your deacon nomination form last Sunday, please make sure you do so today. And if you left your form at home, make sure you go see Steve Kinman over here. Raise your hand, Steve. He has some blank ones, and make sure you get him from him so that you can nominate uh, a deacon. And then uh, Jim needs some ushers to help give out Eliza Broadus' offering. Uh, we mentioned this last week about Eliza Broadus, and so uh, hopefully we'll be handing out some of those uh, envelopes so that you can bless the Eliza Broadus' offering for Kentucky missions. So uh, as we do, as we worship together, let us worship as we give this, uh, this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to give in your name. We know you are a generous God who gives generous gifts, mercy, and grace. You've given your son, Jesus Christ, and because of that, we should be generous people. Because of this, we can support mission teams just like the one going to London. We know that we can go to uh, support our missionaries who are all over the globe through the cooperative program. So Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to be generous people as we give, but do so as a matter of worship to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come set your rule and reign In our hearts again Increase in us we pray Until why we're made Come set our hearts ablaze with hope Like wildfire in our very souls Sing. 